So we're in week three of this new series in James called More Than Words. And if you're wondering what that means, basically well, what we read from James is he's saying that our, our faith in Christ is more than our stated belief. You know, we should be able to see our faith through our character and through our actions. You know, it's more than words. Part of today's reading actually makes that clear. We're going to be in chapter one still, but in verse 22, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. And then here's what James says. Hear this. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You know, Christianity is not, uh, it's not just religion. It's not just a certificate of baptism. It's not just attending church on a Sunday, even though we're not doing it at the moment. You know what I mean. You know, it's a walk with Jesus that changes us right here at our very core. And that change must be noticeable by everyone around you. And so, you know, the question I've been asking each week so far is this. Can people see it? Is it obvious? Is it obvious that you love Jesus? That's the question I want to just keep asking every week from here on. So this week, we're going to be finishing up the rest of chapter one. And I've asked Sam to come and read that for us this morning. Today, we're going to be reading from James chapter 1, 19 to 27. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So today we're going to be focusing on this call from James to be slow to anger. Because let's be honest, you know, we all have times when we feel anger, when we get angry. Now, anger is uh, a natural emotion. I'm not denying that. You know, feelings of anger in of themselves, they're not sin. But like all emotions, it can be expressed inappropriately. And more than almost any of the other emotions, anger, it can lead us into sin. Because the emotions, they're strong and they're powerful. And sometimes they can just be hard to control. You know, they really, they override our self-control. Our reason and judgment tends to get clouded and we can go from a calm demeanor to something inappropriate. And you know that, and you've probably seen that happen. You've probably experienced it yourself. You can go from that point of being calm to being angry in just a matter of seconds. And the warning about anger is that more than any other emotion, it has the potential to damage others. It has the potential to escalate conflict and that is the complete opposite, I think, of what Jesus asked us to do. You know, he called on us to be, to be peacemakers. You know, for the fruit of the Spirit to be obvious in our lives, 
to be part of the redemption of this world, to restore, to love our enemies, you know, to turn the other cheek. And you can just see that sometimes uh, unchecked anger can, can uh, sabotage those things, can override those things. Now, there are times when it's appropriate to be angry. And there is an, an appropriate way also to express, to express it. But I just want to warn you about something. Be careful about claiming a righteous cause for your anger. And just be careful about that because I've, I've seen that happen at times when it, when it shouldn't. Now, those moments do exist. And in my experience, that claim is used. It's just used too often to, to excuse the, the wrong kind of, of anger. James called the wrong kind of anger human anger. Did you pick up on that when we... And we were reading that, that passage. He calls it human anger. Verse 20, just to remind you, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Now, let me give you some thoughts on this uh, idea of, of what righteous anger is then. And then we're going to talk about human anger and how we can overcome it. Now, when I think of righteous anger, I'm, you know, I'm reminded of some of the, the prophets in, in the Bible, both Old and New Testament. And I, I just see some characteristics that I think can help us see the difference between this righteous anger and the human anger that James is really warning us about today. Number one, righteous anger is usually God's idea and not ours. It's not just something we make up ourselves. You know, don't be so quick to, to claim righteous anger for your anger. Generally, there's a specific calling that God has passed to a person you know, and they're tasked with speaking out about it. You know, think of people like Moses and Jonah and Jeremiah. There's a message there, but it was God's idea and not theirs. That's number one. Number two, righteous anger can be a warning from God over falling away from his will. Firstly, it was God's idea. Second, it may be a warning that there's a consequence that a person or, or a group of people are about to experience. You know, when a, when a prophet speaks up, it's with righteous anger to get their attention, to get them back to God. You know, think of Elijah and, and Isaiah and, and really any, any prophet. You know, I think of John the Baptist even. There was just, there was some times when he just had that, that righteous anger. He was trying to get the attention. And, and even Jesus himself, sometimes speaking to religious leaders, you pick up on it when you read the scripture. There's, a, there's just that, that righteous anger there um, to, get their, to get their attention. You know, when he was in the temple, you know, he, he was warning them that this, the temple had become something that it wasn't supposed to be. And uh, he used that to get their attention. Sometimes God switched to a more direct method to wake people up and warn them. Number three, righteous anger can be centered around an injustice and uh, an injustice that's experienced by someone or a group of people. And I think this is one of the key ones when, when we can call it righteous anger and not so much human anger. I mean, yes, we can get angry about a le legitimate injustice that we personally have experienced, but all too often it's not really an injustice. Instead, it's, you know, human anger is more of a selfish desire. Um, you know, it's more about forcing our opinion on other people. And so for me, one of the tests about righteous anger is if it's for an injustice on behalf of someone else or, or even a group of people, then it, it very well may be appropriate. 
you know, it might actually fall into that category. We saw a good example of this in Minneapolis a couple of weeks back. You know, people, they felt angry about what they saw, and they still do, about what happened to George Floyd. You know, I, I think that that fits into that category of righteous anger. Now, I know some of that anger has been expressed inappropriately by some, but please don't let that get in the way of the appropriate expression of righteous anger over the injustice of what happened to someone like George. You know, my hope and prayer is that the appropriate expression of that righteous anger may, it can bring about change for some good. You know, same for Hannah Clark and her kids earlier this year. You know, there was, we saw the injustice of what happened to her and her kids and it did make us angry. I think that this is, I hope you can see what I'm talking about. This is the righteous anger that I'm talking about. When we channel that and express that correctly and appropriately, it can be a catalyst for good. I hope you see the difference. And then number four, this is important. Righteous anger points people to God's righteousness, to God's righteousness, not away from it. You know, it's a test. If you believe you're angry for righteous reasons, your anger should do no harm to another. It should lead us to God's righteousness, not our own version of it. And this is an important test. Does my anger hurt, intimidate, or threaten another person? Does it demand my, your acceptance of my opinion, or maybe it demands something for my advantage? And if the answer is yes, then it's inappropriate. It's not righteous anger, it's human anger. You know, righteous anger, on the other hand, looks to bring justice and hope for others, and it reflects the righteousness of God. So I hope you see the difference there. Here's my observation, though. 99% of the time, our outward expression of anger is not righteous anger. Almost always, it's human anger. And James says, that's not godly. It's not for Christians. Verse 20 again, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. That kind of anger is inappropriate, uncontrolled, uncontained. It's dangerous. It's self-centered. And quite frankly, it's ungodly. It's not Christian. Here's what I know about human anger. And by the way, I'm not talking just about yelling and um, aggressive anger. I'm also talking about a, a passive aggressive anger. But it almost always does harm. Number one, human anger harms others. You know, it hurts, it intimidates, and it frightens people. Number two, human anger harms self. People avoid you. People don't respect you. It gets you into trouble. You know, you might even have trouble with, um, with jobs and careers and things like that. Number three, human anger harms communities. You know, we've all been part of a, a community or a family group or a team perhaps where somebody tends to get angry. Morale is low. People walk on eggshells. They might even start to leave. And the vision for that community, it's lost. And sometimes it falls apart. Number four, human anger harms relationships. You know, nothing destroys a relationship more than um, passive aggressive behavior or angry outbursts. It demeans the other person and it breaks trust in the relationship. Number five, human anger can lead to violence. Now, I know this may not always be the case, but um, it does stir up emotions that can be hard to control. You know, things get thrown, maybe fists get, get raised. 
Um, you know, I was reading online this week that when we feel a strong feeling of, of anger, um, blood starts to flow into our hands and stuff like that, and people start to, to clench fists. You know, th- this is often what happens. Number six, human anger comes from a very selfish place. It's generally about me having to be right and getting my way through this form of intimidation. A Christian should be living out the practice of submission. Now, I'm not just talking about married couples here. I'm talking about any Christian actually has to learn the spiritual discipline of submission to others. It's always a two-way street. You know, we don't always have to be right, and this is the thing. Too often we, we do. We, we have to be right, and we use anger to get our way. Number seven, human anger violates the Holy Spirit's uh, fruit of self-control. Quite frankly, a lack of the fruit of the Spirit points to a lack of the Spirit. You know, I can't sugarcoat that one. Number eight, human anger violates the golden rule for all believers. You know, Jesus said, do to others as you would have them do to you. Well, if that's not how you want to be treated, then human anger is never, ever appropriate for us. And there would be so many more, but let me be honest, for all of these reasons, in a appropriate human anger let's just say it it's sin or it leads to sin all of us have moments of anger but the kind of anger that james is warning us about does harm to others and to us it also harms our walk with god so we all need to heed his call here's what verse 21 said so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives you know this is what james Straight after he talked about human anger, he, he says filth and evil, you've got to get rid of it. Calling anger, filth, human anger, filth and evil. But I know it's not easy just to you know, get rid of it. So what should we do? Can I just start by saying, you know, if, if you know that you're a person whose your, your anger does tend to get out of control and it does harm to you and to the people around you, Um, You know, by all means, listen to this sermon today and follow its steps. But if it's a real serious problem for you, you should get help. You know, there is no shame in getting help. Um, It'll be good for you and definitely be good for the people around you. So I just want to just quickly mention that. Okay, overcoming human anger. Number one, firstly, you have to want it. And this is like anything in life. When we want to have change, you know, when we want our marriage to get better or relationships to get better, you know, we have to invest in it. You have to want it for it to actually be effective. Number two, I suggest confession. Uh, you know, we don't do a lot of confession because we're, we're sometimes we're a bit too prideful, right? But I, I promise you, confessing to someone else, particularly, particularly to the, uh, the people around you, if, you, if you're been guilty of this human anger problem, confession is a good place to start and seeking forgiveness. Number three, This is important. Change how you do conversations because in verse 19, James says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, this is very, very important. Having healthy conversations with people is important for all of us. And healthy conversations begin with our our ability to listen well. You know, God made us with with two ears and, and one mouth, and we should learn to use them in that ratio. Learning to actively listen to others is a skill. You know, you've got to actually practice this. It's something we should all learn. It, re- it, it means really hearing what people have to say. You know, active listening means 
I'm not thinking about something else. I'm listening to what people have to say. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say next so much or about having a story that's better than someone else's or whatever it is. Active listening is hearing what they have to say. And, and when we do speak, it's asking questions to help me understand and to let them know that I'm, that I'm hearing what they're saying. And if we all do that, if it's a two-way street, our conversations get so much better. It means letting people have an opinion that is different to yours without getting defensive. You know, this is a big one when people disagree with us. You know, maybe politically or something like that. It's okay. We don't have to be angry. We can let them have that thought. You know, yes, you can discuss it, but don't get angry. And here's the big one. It means not having to be right. And again, I say, just like I did before, that this is a spiritual discipline. The discipline of submission is so underrated. You know, we always think it's in the context of a husband and a wife and a wife to a husband. It's for all relationships. I don't have to be right. I can let someone have a different opinion to me without getting defensive, even if I think they're wrong. I don't have to get angry or to force them to submit to my opinion on something. You know, I can just let that go because I love that person. And that's the key thing. James says we need to learn to listen better and we need to learn to, you know, zip it. <laughs> Slow to speak. That's a good thing to, le to learn. Number four, be aware of our triggers and feelings. And learn to diffuse our angry emotions before we inappropriately express ourselves. You know, when you feel that, that anger building inside, uh, that's, the, that's the time to stop. You know, be aware, just be aware of what happens when you feel that, that emotion. You, you know it hasn't always led you down the right path, perhaps. You feel it, you stop, you wait, you say nothing, you take deep breaths. You admit the feeling to yourself. You know, remove yourself if you have to from the situation. You take time to pray. You slow down those emotions which can take over and control us if we're not careful. Commit to being slow to anger. And I mean really slow. Be the slowest person to anger that you know and practice it until you are. Before you send that angry email, you know, sleep on it. I've done this. Maybe not such an angry email, but I've sent, I've typed up emails in frustration, slept on it, and the next morning I thought, I don't need to send that. You know, that relationship with that person is too important to me. There's a better way. Ask yourself the question, will it hurt someone? Will it be productive and constructive or just damaging? Simple question, does your expression of anger reflect Jesus to others? If the answer is no, it's wrong. May I also add, be careful of excuses for human anger. You know, um, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm frustrated and so therefore I'm going to lash out or I'm venting. Now, frustration and venting is, I guess that's one thing, but it often escalates into this human anger James is talking about, but we, we label it something else. So just be careful. You know, we try to blame someone else, things like that. There can be a fine line between venting and frustration and this inappropriate anger, and it drags down another person, especially if it's behind someone's back. We should be careful of that. We've all been there, we've all, we've, but we're living a transformed life, and this transformed life is more than words. How we live and our character reflects Jesus to others. 
Are we reflecting Jesus to others? You will have also noted that James also talks about controlling the tongue, which is another sermon still to come. You know, he talked about a blessing in obedience. That's a whole sermon by itself as well. I won't cover them today. But he finishes with this in verse 27 in, in this particular passage. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You know, somehow this is in context with this call to get rid of anger and be, to be slow to speak and, and quick to listen. See, here's what I think James is saying. Anger will get you nowhere with your walk with God. Anger won't convince people about Jesus. It, it won't. In fact, it, it will turn people. In fact, uh, I say it's by loving people, caring for those in need. That will convince people about the truth of Jesus. You know, that's what James, I think, is saying. We're caring for those in need. We're, we're loving people. We're picking people up. We're giving them a hand. We're being generous with our, with our money. We're making sure nobody goes without that's what will reflect Jesus more than any angry rants will ever do. We might have a good message. We might have something important to say. But when we do it with anger, I promise you, no one will hear that message. You know, this is an important thing to know. Anger never gets your message through to anybody. All it does is make people feel intimidated. They don't hear the wisdom that you might have, even if you're doing it angrily. Anger doesn't. It has no winners unless it's a righteous anger. When you genuinely love and care for those who are in need the most, even when you love your enemy, you know, don't get angry with your enemy. Love your enemy. That's when your message will get through. That is when your faith in Jesus is revealed and it's just more than words. It's more than your stated belief. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you again for your word today. Very practical application in James. I thank you. It's been passed down through the ages. You know, this has always been something that uh, we humans have struggled with is um, inappropriate expression of, of emotion. And uh, Lord, it gets out of control and it turns into something it shouldn't. And it turns into something damaging to others. God, I pray for everyone this morning that you will just help us to be better when it comes to that, those feelings of anger. Uh, Lord, that they would never damage anybody else. They would never damage us. God, I pray that um, we would be able to instead reflect Jesus to people. You know, we would have more patience. We would have more humility. The fruit of the Spirit, really, God, every day, all day long. Is what we're praying. So we pray for more of your Holy Spirit in us to fill us, to, um, to transform our lives, to be more like you, to be more like you have called us to be. And I, I pray that, Lord, for over everyone watching at home this morning, I pray for me, Lord Jesus. Uh, we thank you, that God, that you are a gracious, loving God. Thank you, Lord, that you give us second chances all the time. Thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you this morning again for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.